Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Today is the 10th of April. Welcome to episode 10 of the Groovy Podcast with me, Peter Lebrook, casting from London, England. And me, Ken Cousin, happen to be in Washington, D.C. at the moment. And me, Baros Dogorski, I'm today in Kazan, Russia. So we're all over the place today, and I think this is the first show in which all three of us are here. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, I've, I've managed to be ill for the last two and um, still not fully recovered. And, uh, <coughs> pardon me. Yeah, uh, hopefully we'll sort that out soon. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes with three of us. Um, so how are you guys been? Well, other than United trying to make it so I can't get home, so far so good. That's the speaker's after, life, after isn't it? Week, after a week of sudden snow in April, going home is something that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have some sun to go back to. Uh, we've actually had sun in uh, the south of England. It's quite kind of been amazing. Uh, unfortunately, we also have a bunch of, a ton of pollution. We've been advised not to go out and do vigorous exercise. <laughs> anyway, so enough of where we are. Uh, <coughs> get on to the news. And we start with the kind of the biggest news, um, which is the Grails 3.0 release, which coincides, of course, with the Pivotal, the end of the Pivotal sponsorship. Um, so great work the, to the Grails team there. Um, 3.0.0 was released, and it was, I think, fairly quickly followed by 3.0.1 to fix a problem with war file generation, or the generated war files didn't work. Um, but anyway, 3.0.1 is the one to go for. Um, I've had a, a little go with that. Uh, has anyone else tried? I tried it uh, right away. I tried. The, actually, I, I started with one, and then I waited for the 301 to come out. And after 301 came out, I tried that with some basic, very simple apps, and it really is quite different. Uh, it has a, a very different feel to it. One nice thing is how much faster all of the great old tasks are. You know, so that if you use the interactive console, uh, it may take a moment to start up, but once it started up, I, code generation was blazingly fast, so that was nice. Uh, we have other issues, too, but we'll talk about them a little bit later, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's looking good so far. Uh, of course, one thing to bear in mind is that the plugin system needs to catch up, so only a small part of the current plugin system uh, is ready for Grails 3. Um, so, I, th thankfully, I don't think I count as owner of any plugin, so uh, <laughs> I guess I'm not responsible for upgrading any. <laughs> uh, if anyone uh, disagrees with that, feel free to tweet me at, uh, at pledbrook. Anyway, so um, uh, additional news around that. At the same time, like uh, Graham Roche, the project leader, posted a, um, a blog post, and in there he said that, you know, he... he uh, noted that Groovy had gone to Apache, had gone the foundation route. Uh, they were undecided whether Grails would. It may or may not. So I think that is uh, that may be decided not to in the not too distant future. We shall see. But at the moment, uh, there's no clear route at the moment for what's going to happen in the future. Uh, at the same time, they introduced 250, uh, which I believe is just like the maintenance release for the 2.x. Um, there doesn't seem to be a significant change between 2.4 and 2.5. No, than... it's exactly as you said, that 2.5.0 is the maintenance release for the 2.4 line from now on. I noticed that Graham also timed it very well, that as soon as the release happened, he went on vacation. 
So <laughs> we don't have a lot of extra information right now. Yeah, and I also I also that. think that the the debate of whether they go to foundation or not is kind of uh, over a couple of hours ago when Real Sim announced that they found a new home at OCI Object Computing Incorporated. So I don't think that this uh, foundation uh, option is on the table anymore. Um, well, you can have company sponsorship and still be in a foundation. So, um, yeah, Ken, I mean, this is news to me. Uh, just before you kind of, uh, I just noticed this news item just before the broadcast started. So uh, can you give some more information, um, what, the, well, what this OCI thing is? Who OCI? Uh, Jeff Brown, well, I don't have a lot of information. It's just that Jeff Brown tweeted it, and he put something on the Groovy developer list uh, yesterday, just last night. Uh, he mentioned uh, there's a news article. What we have a link to is a news article from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which I thought, wow, that's interesting that it's in the in the actual newspaper there, just saying that Grails has a new home at OCI. OCI is Object Computing Incorporated, and that they're bringing over both uh, Graham and Jeff. Now, Jeff is already based in St. Louis, so presumably he had something to do with that. And I don't know whether Graham will be relocating or working remotely or anything. I have no idea. But OCI has been a long-term supporter of uh, open source projects, and I know that they've been interested in Grails for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm just kind of reading a little bit at, at the moment. Um, right, so right. They, they seem to be kind of a, a, a consulting house. They, they work with clients to build, as they say, mission-critical, high-performance, real-time infrastructure and integration solutions. Uh, I think, actually, this, this sounds uh, particularly good if they're actually using uh, Grails in, in their projects. Because I feel that's something that's lacked somewhat with like, Pivotal didn't do anything uh, and and VMware for that and to, and Spring One Two and um, Spring Source to to a lesser extent they didn't really use Grails in projects. Um, so I think the whole eating your own dog food actually using it in projects is going to help the uh, framework a lot. I would be very surprised if they didn't. I mean they probably do already in several of their projects or otherwise they probably would not have been interested in the first place. But it's, it's great that uh, now they'll be financially supporting both uh, Jeff and Graham, and that's that's only got to help. I agree, though, that I would think the move to put Grails in a foundation is an independent discussion. I don't think that OCI is a, enforcing any kind of proprietary rights over anything like that. I think they're just supporting it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, Grails has always been a, a little less mm, open than groovy in the... Uh, Groovy's always felt like there are more than the people uh, in VMware or Pivotal or whatever involved in the project and actively contributing it to it. Um, mm -hmm. Grails, a, a large amount of the development and the um, kind of the decisions as to where to take the framework have been made within the core Grails team. Um, yeah, so, so, maybe, so maybe everything is for the better and... Uh, um, the fact that Groovy now went to Apache Foundation and it's going to be completely open um, and they will continue this way because of the massive community contribution uh, during the whole life of Groovy is what they need and for players which is more close they need like more uh, um, spe specific people to contribute and, and, and to be paid for that. 
Well, and Peter, you're one of the core contributors, right? Are you going to now go to OCI? Or are you going to be relocating to St. Louis? Uh, in the <laughs> um, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of an, an ex-core uh, contributor, so I think uh -huh. I still have commit rights, but I haven't really done much in, uh, in quite a while. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think I'll be going to St. Louis anytime soon, certainly on a permanent move. You'll um, be a core contributor to me, so... <laughs> but I mean, going to Baruch's point, I feel that um, uh, although uh, they, they can get by as it is, uh, foundations help with uh, f for companies that use these things. So people that use Groovy know that there's a foundation behind which gives it some sense of longevity, that it's not beholden to a single company. Um, and like all projects pretty much benefit from that kind of thing. It's like you're dependent on that company continuing um, support or somebody else coming in and helping out. So, you know, there was that worry because Pivotal were the main funders of uh, Grails. There was no foundation there. So it's like, well, what's going to happen next? Um, and it's great. Yeah, I think, I think it's, a little bit, it's a little bit fictional because it's all about, as you mentioned, um, uh, Groovy and and Grail, they were in, in exact same position in in Pivotal, and uh, while uh, we all felt that it's much easier to contribute to Groovy than to Grails, uh, so I, I don't think that uh, really it really matters whether they're in foundation or not. It's just the nature of the project, uh, for for historical reasons or for any other, maybe a language is just more open than than a framework. I, I I'm not sure why, but they, they felt different, they continue to feel different, uh, and it doesn't matter whether they are sponsored by a company or in the foundation. Well, you, since you're a former contributor, do you want to start a rumor, or should we just see what happens as it goes along? I mean, that is our <laughs> job, right? Starting random rumors. Uh, who, who are you talking to there? Uh, well, you're the core contributor, or the former, the ex. You're never an ex core contributor, right? It's like being an ex marine or whatever. You're always one. So, we'll see. Uh, okay, perhaps <laughs> so. Yes, <laughs> I'm there in. I'm, I'm there in the commit history. Um, I'm happy to start rumors, though. That is what the podcast is for, of course. <laughs> By the way, um, but, I, right. I do have one commit in the Grails history. Jeff Brown was basically giving me a Grails tutorial, uh, not a Grails tutorial, a, a Git tutorial. This was about three years ago. And uh, we looked for an issue, and an issue was one of, on one of the custom tags, there was a comment that was out of date, and we deleted the comment. That's my great contribution to Grails. I not even touched real code. I, I like to call it the least significant commit inside the entire Grails history. Well, every contribution is a benefit and welcome. So right. <laughs> you can be proud of that little commit there. Oh, uh, it's I, on I, do want to, I do want to move on now from uh, yes. Grails. But before, before we do, there is this one final point, which is the dynamic scaffolding, which oh, okay. I remember bringing up at the Groovy and Grails exchange last year. And I was like, got a straw poll vote of like, who, who really, really wants dynamic scaffolding to be kept. Uh, quite a lot of hands went up. And Grails 3 does not have dynamic scaffolding, and because there was a, I've linked in the show notes a um, the the discussion thread on the mailing list, and uh, Ken, you yourself are on that, you're pr prominent on that list, on, on that thread. 
Well, uh, I so, was very, very surprised. I, I, I had no idea that this discussion had happened, and I just assumed it was there. I mean, I, I don't use it in production or anything. I just use it in development mode. Uh, but when, what happened that turns out to be the workaround is that the Fields plugin from uh, 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 Rob Fletcher, uh, his Fields plugin is now built into the scaffolding plugin. So therefore, when you use the static scaffolding, when you do a generate all, for example, around a domain class, then you don't need to regenerate it every time you modify the attributes or the, the constraints on a domain class. That's what I was worried about. I mean, normally with the dynamic scaffolding, of course, you don't have to regenerate anything. But with the static scaffolding, I didn't want to have to overwrite those files over and over and over again. So the workaround is to do that. Unfortunately, when I use the static scaffolding, while it does show the attributes just fine, it's not really great at showing the relationships. So there's going to have to be some customization there as well. But the argument was that uh, apparently dynamic scaffolding hurts the startup time considerably, and that was considered a good enough reason to just drop it. I I'm still not really certain I agree with that, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, I gave it a quick try, and the main reason for using dynamic scaffolding is handled by the static scaffolding now. So if you do do generate, um, if you make changes to the domain class, they are reflected in the views. So uh, that that is the main requirement from dynamic scaffolding. Uh, to be honest, the scaffolding has always been fairly poor with dealing with relationships, as uh, in my experience. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm not sure if that's changed at all, but. Um, well, you'll take a look. But the, the thing is, is that the, the big problem was is none of this was documented. Uh, it didn't have anything in the user guide about no longer supporting dynamic scaffolding, and it didn't say anything about uh, the fields plugin or any of the rest of that. So that's what part of the discussion was about, is at least let's get the use guide updated. And I was going to do that, and then I realized it wasn't using ASCII doc, and I got busy on other things. So eventually I'll get back to that. And Hopefully somebody else will do it, and I got to put in the plug for ASCII doc, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully that will get updated in the user guide very soon. Uh, I hope you didn't have a hissy fit over it not using ASCII doctor. Yeah, I think ASCII doctor is uh, pretty nice, and it's simply just having something that's more robust with dealing with book-like requirements than Markdown. Really, um, with, what book do you have in mind, Peter? Sorry? What book are you, what book are you thinking of? <laughs> okay, yeah, so let, let, I'm going to put it out there. Shameless plug. Uh, part of the news. I'm not the only one that's announced this, uh, but I'm, I've, I started work on a uh, self-published book called Practical Groovy, uh, which is designed to be a introduction to the language for people that have a background in object-oriented languages, uh, either Java or maybe they're coming from Ruby or Python. And it's just like, let's do some, let's go through examples and learn how to use Groovy, the syntax, and those kinds of things. So uh, I've put a link in the show notes to the GitHub repository where I'm putting early drafts, uh, and there's a couple of chapters there. So yeah, that's my blatant self-promotion. I am using ASCII Doctor for it. Uh, I think it is pretty cool. Um, the whole generation of PDF, uh, and HTML uh, in a nice format is pretty cool. So um, I, I'm hoping that yeah, I'm hoping people uh, have a have a look at that. I mean, the reason I'm putting those chapters out there is uh, to to help people, but mostly to get feedback on uh, what works, what doesn't work, what improvements could be made, um, and we'll see we'll see how it goes. So I mean, it's definitely not like a competitor to 
groovy in action. Uh, I don't want to go into that kind of depth or level of coverage. I'm hoping, really hoping, it's not a competitor to making Java groovy either. So <laughs> I apologize if I'm stepping on Ken's toes here. That's not a problem. I, I, I think you're much more of a competitor to Groovy in action. I, I think that's going to be the definitive book. The, uh, the practical Groovy book will be the definitive <laughs> Groovy book. Yeah, I think Dirk should be very worried, and, and Paul King as well. Uh, but I did, by the way, I did read through most of the first chapter. It's very clearly written. It's very easy to follow. Uh, now, of course, it's, I don't have the eyes of someone who is not familiar with Groovy. You know, on it. So I'm not sure how someone who doesn't have any groovy background would respond to it. But what I was able to read was very clean and easy to follow. Uh, and I do like the ASCII Doctor approach. O'Reilly books are written using ASCII Doc as well. I mean, it's really becoming very popular. Okay, so I'm the only I'm the only one here who did who didn't author the book about groovy. Okay, I got the I got the. Have you authored a book? I need to find a well, yeah. it's easy. Just go ahead and, and clone Peter's repository and start sending him pull requests. You'll wind up being a co-author. Oh, that's a, that's a neat idea. That's that's exactly like you you are now a committer of, of Grails, right? Yes, exactly. This is how it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I I I, I laughed. <laughs> I, had to, I had to mute myself there. Anyway, so enough of practical grouping. <laughs> enough self-promotion for the moment. <laughs> More to come. Um, so other news. Rat Pack had the 0915 release, so a lot of uh, minor pa no patch. Uh, so the big difference with this release is apparently no longer do you need Netty snapshot dependencies, and as we all know, snapshot dependencies make our lives so wonderful, warm, and fuzzy. Not. Yes. Uh, so that's that's good news for Rat Pack users. Okay, I, I I'm not sure we discussed it. I, I I'm not exactly remember how Redpack is going to um, is going to deal with uh, the end of life of Spring Reloaded. What is um, what is the plan for supporting a hot redeployment of of Redpack now when Spring Reloaded is dead? Um, I have no idea. So, I mean, that's actually news. I didn't realize that Spring Loaded had, uh, and had an end of life attached couple, to it. Couple, a couple of uh, a couple of uh, months ago, they announced that they won't they won't develop it anymore. It probably works. It didn't die by itself, but no new versions, no bug fixes, like nothing. Well, we, we not probably we should probably contact Dan Woods or one of the other guys on the Rat Pack team. I mean, I don't recall them mentioning anything in the release notes about either 0.9.14 or 15 regarding Spring Loaded. Uh, so certainly before we do our next podcast, I'll be happy to, to send Dan Woods a message or maybe we can encourage him to, you know, like watch our podcast and then respond automatically or something. But uh, we, we'll have to go find that out. I didn't know about that either. Yeah, that's yeah, well, you can question. Because the the uh, from what I know now the only competitors Spring Loaded of course uh, Jrebel they are much more competitors. Uh, the problem is that they are they don't have any free or open source version that can be embedded inside product like uh, uh, like Redpack. So this is an interesting question. Maybe there is a market opportunity for them to create like an embeddable free license or something. Well, Dan's yeah, I mean, writing honest, on, so he'd have to know, yeah. Uh, yeah, or, or ask Luke Daly, who's the, uh, who started the project and still the project lead on it. Um, but I, I suspect oh, right. that they'll keep that support in there for Spring Loaded. Uh, but it's not 
critical for Rat Pack development. So you can still develop apps without that um, that automated reloading. I mean, Rat Pack apps don't take too long to start anyway, um, yes, unless right. you coded them that way. So yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out. And and yeah, I'm sorry I should have mentioned Luke Daly as well. I I forgot he was the head of the project. And I just know Dan's supposed to be writing this book, and I do try to take the opportunity to you know give him a hard time about the progress on the book whenever there's an opportunity. So. Sorry, Absolutely, but I, I concur with that. I agree with that. Um, I was just thinking you could tweet him and say, "Get onto the podcast right now," so he's in the Q and A, <laughs> so he can uh, he can answer the questions. Um, so yeah, that's that's current status. Uh, so that I didn't know about the Spring Loaded. Uh, it doesn't surprise me an awful lot, and I think that these Spring folks are working with the J Rebel guys. Um, zero turnaround. Uh, I think they want good. Um, uh, I think they want Spring Framework stuff to work really well with the JRebel. So, uh, well, w we may find out more. It'd be interesting to see what Zero Turnaround do uh, from this point on. It doesn't seem to be the easiest thing in the world to develop a sort of hot reloading uh, agent such as Spring Loaded. So, uh, it could be that JRebel stays the only game in town for that. Anyway, we shall see. Um, I just want to go on to the next item, which is that uh, Cedric Champo did a blog post on how to uh, improve protection for running Groovy scripts so that people can't run system.exit and the like. There's a, a secure AST container uh, transformation annotation, I think. It's something like that. Um, which allows you to whitelist and blacklist certain methods and properties, but it's not entirely reliable. So Cedric has given a, a sort of proof of concept, a way of doing it using static type checking, and then you can always be sure of the um, what object you're calling a method on. So you can your whitelist and your backlist will work much more reliably. Yeah, so Don't you think it works? Actually, sorry. You you actually make some valid structures invalid uh, in the in this compiler custom, uh, customizer, and then it just won't compile. Yeah, the name of the yeah. class secure AST customizer for what it's worth. Secure AST customizer. Right. Yes, that's the one. Okay, got it. Um, so I, I'm, the main reason I brought this up was because um, there's this this ties in with uh, another news item, which is the sort of relatively recent grade of criticism. Now, you guys discussed uh, Bazel last week uh, the, on the last show, I believe, mm -hmm. Google's build system. <coughs> um, but I don't think you mentioned that there were these uh, various, uh, you know, a couple of blog posts that had some interesting takes on uh, Gradle. One was a little bit uh, over the top, a little bit ranty, I would, I would say. But it had some interesting... Uh, ideas or, or interesting criticisms. I mean, it's been uh, a lot of the tweets are about the whole halting problem, but right. it just feels uh, the halting problem kind of feels a little bit minor and irrelevant to it. Uh, no, so I think it was just an example, and and I really tried hard to understand what the hell the the halting problem has to do with Gradle, and I think what this guy was trying to say in a very fancy way is the same criticism we hear over and over again from from day one. It, Maven is very limiting and it's a good thing for a build framework because every developer touch it, 
most of the developers have no clue what they do, and if they cannot do much in their build system, it's actually a good thing. So I think the whole the, the, the whole academic like sense on top of the whole problem was just uh, the, another way to say the same thing. Gradle allows people to do too much, and they usually have no idea what they do. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually disagree with that. Now, one of the blog posts I read was largely along those lines that uh, Maven, the fact that Maven is not easily customizable um, is a benefit because right. <laughs> you, should, you don't want people just doing anything in, build, uh, in their builds. <coughs> the halting problem is just like, it's, it's actually an interesting uh, criticism because when you load a POM file, you're pretty much guaranteed that it's going to parse and finish. But with a Gradle build, you don't know. In order to find out the information about the build, you actually have to run it, and there's no guarantees that the build, file, the build will actually finish. Um, right. This is particularly important. Like, even if you just run Gradle tasks, that may not even finish. Uh, if you're loading the project into an IDE, that actually has to run the build file in order to find out what the dependencies are and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so I, this I is also like interesting because, because it's, it's actually vice versa when you look at the product themselves. So um, Grindle has something that Maven never had, and this is a build execution plan. So you can know how the build will run, which dependencies it will use, which tasks it will execute before you start it. And this uh, is present in Gradle, and uh, you, you don't have such thing in Maven. So when I I had some chats with with guys from Jet, from JetBrains who develop support for Maven and for Gradle, um, this uh, tooling IDE that Gradle has um, it's very far from being uh, from being uh, perfect, but still much more than what Maven provides. So if you are talking about predictability of how build will run, Gradle stands in much better position than Maven in this regard. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. The tooling API allows uh, uh, IDEs to get much more information about the build and what's going to happen. But the actual act of running the build file itself can cause right. the system to hang up. Now, I don't think that's a particularly, uh, that's not particularly problematic. Um, you may do it accidentally. Uh, there may be malicious uh, build files that do something like they have a, a while true loop somewhere in their configuration, um, and they're bad build files. Uh, they're malicious. Um, but you know, I, I feel that Gradle could add something like a, an easy timeout. It's like timeout after three, four, five seconds, or what have you, because actually the build files should parse fairly quickly. Uh, what I find interesting is the security aspect, which the guy who uh, did the original um, <clears throat> blog post kind of alluded to very, very briefly, but you can have a malicious build file that in order to reason about the build, you have to run it. That could delete files off your file system. Right. <clears throat> now, this yep. is fine if you are the one developing your build, but if you are uh, getting hold of a project and need to build that and it's got a Gradle build file, can you be sure it's not going to do anything particularly nasty? Um, so I think Gradle's getting by uh, at the moment. Now, I would also like to clarify my blog post because some people have brought this up. If you run a Maven build or an AMP build, they can do exactly the same stuff. And I think that is a limitation to the current build tools. 
But they're running on the JVM, which means they have access to sandboxing. They have access to the security manager. So there's mm. definitely avenues to ensure that uh, users can be protected from malicious build files. Um, but I mean, that's one of the reasons why I brought up Cedric's post because that's one way of ensuring that build files can't do what they're not supposed to. Um, I feel ultimately you have to use the security manager. And this is kind of close to my heart because LazyBones, the project templates, have post-install scripts which are written in Groovy. And there's a nice big issue in GitHub saying secure these. You know, make sure that you can't have dodgy templates that are going to delete everything off your file system and that kind of thing. You kind of go, yeah, we need to do that. And then you delve into it and you go, I really don't want to do this. It's too hard. There's a lot of stuff involved. But, um, anyway, so I've, I've put a link to my uh, blog post, which links back to the halting problem, the original halting problem um, blog post. Another one, which was on why Maven is good by being restrictive. Um, and another one, which was by Schalk Cronier, who, um, who had a kind of rebuttal post to the original halting problem post. Uh, he covered, a, he said a lot of things that I already uh, agreed with, so I didn't cover that side of things. Um, ultimately, I don't think you're going to get the two sides agreeing. There are two camps. There are the ones that think you should be very limited in what you can do with the build, because otherwise people are going to mess it up. And there are others that say, well, no, you need the flexibility to solve your build problems. It's like being a software developer. You don't want to use a language that limits you. Because but I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure there are like in zero uh, zero sum game here, because the ones that you want to restrict and the ones that you want to give the maximum flexibility to, they are different people. So the the build masters, the one who understand how how a build should work, the one who understand how Gradle works, dependency management works, etc., etc. Those are the people which are not the same people who you want to, to restrict from touching the build. So I would say that the solution which uh, restricts the build when it's going to developers and limit them to, to certain very simple stuff like adding independencies, but at the same time allowing the, allowing the build maintainers, the build masters, do whatever they like, this is the solution that should settle both both uh, camps, and it's actually achievable in Gradle because you have this clear um, separation between the plugins, uh, which is build master's job, uh, and uh, the script, which is uh, in the hand of of, of everyone. And uh, the the only piece I miss is something like enterprise Gradle plugin that won't allow uh, any development inside, uh, any, any task, let's say, uh, inside the, the, the script itself, but will only allow running of plugins that your build team uh, built for you. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, uh, uh, one of the plus points for Gradle is the ability to uh, allow for different views of the build. The, those that use the build, like, like the developers using the build, the um, if you have a testing team, like a functional testing team, or user acceptance testing team, they may have a, a different view of the build as to what tasks they can run, that they can't modify it, and then you have the build master. But at the, there is definitely one camp of people who work on builds, like build mastery stuff, who don't like 
who, who feel that who've had that experience, like many of us have, with like amp builds and other types that have just been a mess or really difficult to understand. They don't want to go back to that, and they feel that uh, a Gradle build gives people too much flexibility to uh, create spaghetti builds that nobody can understand. Um, and it, it's it's a fair concern, I think, but I feel they miss a, one of the reasons why uh, you end up with spaghetti builds and disasters of builds, which is that there are there were back then there were no real common ways of doing things. I mean, Maven's introduction of convention build by convention was really needed. Um, and another reason for doing nasty stuff is because your build tool makes it hard. But Gradle does makes it easy to do the right thing. I mean, if you've ever worked with source sets, you know how easy it is to set things up to, so you don't have to specify compile tasks. You just say, actually, I have this distinct set of sources that need to be compiled separately from all the others. Uh, maybe they'll produce a different jar as well. It's declarative at that point. You just uh, declare a new source set, and it just works. So I feel <clears throat> those that don't have experience with Gradle miss that really important aspect of the build tool, which is it gives you um, a richness of API which allows you to do things properly, easily, or relatively easily compared to other build tools. Um, I feel we've talked a lot about um, enough about Gradle at this point, but I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to say at this point. Uh, not on that. I think uh, I think we're good. Uh, I did want to mention one thing, by the way. Uh, yeah. I did send a direct message to to Dan Velliper, to Dan Woods. And to say, you know, he should jump on the podcast. And he said, oh, I'll go grab a cup of coffee. And if he makes it in the next five to ten minutes, great. If not, well, then we could just give him a hard time about that as well. You know, that he went and got a cup of coffee rather than jumping on immediately. Yeah, but, but it's understandable, right? He cannot face three of us without some caffeine. He, he does have issues, right. But at any rate, I did uh, send him a message, and he may be joining us. I think I sent him the proper link. We'll see how that goes. Uh, did you want to say something about the the forums moving and everything? That's the other thing that's in the show notes, other than the logo. And I'll get to the logo when you're ready. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. You can. Uh, it's just a few more items to uh, talk about. So, yeah, uh, just miscellaneous little items. Groovy Jira has moved. So, part of moving to uh, the Apache Foundation is that a lot of the infrastructure will move as well. So. Jira is kind of, I think, the first big one to move, and the link to the new Jira is in the show notes, so it's hosted by Apache now. I think, I mean, their source code will have to have at least a copy, like a master copy on Apache infrastructure, but I think they'll still be keeping uh, the GitHub repository. I think it will act as a kind of mirror that people can work against. So good. They are moving to Subversion. I think that most of the most of the Apache project now are on GitHub, not only as mirrors. From what I saw, when uh, we now did some effort to contribute uh, the JCenter tag to uh, to Ivy. So I uh, I worked with one of the oldest Apache projects, and uh, they were in Subversion with mirror on GitHub. And uh, just in the middle of, of our work with them. They actually uh, moved to GitHub uh, completely, and I think they were one of the last projects to do that. So, from from my knowledge, Apache project, most of them uh, are on GitHub as a master version, and not only as a mirror. 
Okay. Um, well, that's that's cool. So I, I uh, but I, I think that the stuff on Apache infrastructure has to be the reference. I, I don't see how. <laughs> hey Dan, we've been joined by Dan Woods. Yes. How hey, are guys. you? <laughs> it's a little early on the West Coast, but otherwise. Well, it's good. good to have you on. Um, we 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 had to have you on to discuss stuff about Rat Pack because there's been a zero nine fifteen release recently. Yep. Uh, but before, uh, do you mind us? We'll finish off a few more items and then we'll come back and, and discuss this with you. You're going to sleep in a while. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. So it's just a few more items. The Gradle forums have moved. They are uh, so they used to be on Get Satisfaction. They are now on uh, Discourse, which is uh, a, a platform developed by the guy behind Stack Overflow, if I remember correctly. Right. Right. That's a uh... Oh, I'm blanking on his name, but you're right. That came from the Stack Overflow people. Yeah, and it actually feels a lot like uh, Stack Overflow hosted on your servers. It has this reputation and and voting for questions and answers. It feels a lot like uh, like Stack Overflow, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, it should look good. I mean, so they'll be in the process of moving. I think they're trying to move as many of the old discussions onto discourse as possible. Um, everything that's new will go straight onto discourse. Uh, and like the last big piece of news for us is thanks to Ken and a, a, a friend of his, I believe, we have a new logo. Some of you may have already seen this. Um, I'm just going to uh, quickly show it to people. There you go. That's our Groovy Podcast logo. I think it is absolutely great. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my friend's uh, name is John Swanson. I've known him for years, and when I needed a company logo for my company, I got him to do it. He, he does graphic design, and, of course, I sent him some money when I had him make the company logo, so this was di a little different. I approached him and said, there's no money involved. Would you be interested in, just out of the kindness of your heart, contributing to an open source project? And he said, sure, he'd love to, and then we waited and we waited and we waited. You know how it is. Uh, when you get somebody to do something for free. At any rate, he finally put that together. I, I asked for the, the microphone, and I suggested Duke with the Groovy logo on his chest, as we had on the old Groovy website. And he wrote everything from there, and now that's uh, on the Groovy podcast Twitter feed, and we'll see where else we can add it. Maybe we'll add it to the, you know, when we eventually put together a website, we'll put it on there as well. So it's ready to go, and there it is. Yeah, if anybody wants to help out with that whole website, or at least the website design, that would be great. I don't. Uh, anyone here good on website design? I'm not. Definitely not. Uh, I think. Yeah, so we know. We know the, the only the best the best web designer in the Google community, of course, Rob Fletcher. Yeah. So we yeah. we gotta harass him anyway. So why don't we do that too? I'll, I'll contact him if we get a chance. Should we uh, now bug uh, Dan about Rapack? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Dan. So thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, Rapack sure. 0915 released. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what's been, what's new in that release? What the Rapack developers have got to look forward to? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I'd say, um, geez, let me, let me even think. There, there were some, there were some big sort of uh, uh, infrastructure type related changes, um, sort of shoring some of the things up. Uh, we have uh, included now some uh, better integration with um, uh, RxJava, 
um, and things um, uh, for for Groovy su support specifically. So now, when when you're in the IDE, um, directly off of uh, directly off of an observable, you can uh, you can use the Rat Pack fixtures for mapping uh, RX Java observables over to a Rat Pack promise. Um, I'd I'd be happy to to talk uh, more in depth about that, but uh, that that kind of stuff is fairly important um, so that you can use RX Java but still fall into uh, Rat Pack's execution context model, uh, which gets you um, uh, deterministic asynchronous code execution. Um, maybe maybe there's uh, uh, more more conversation that needs to go go on around some of that, but. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a really good release. Zero uh, nine fifteen is is uh, uh, working out really well. Zero uh, nine uh, thirteen, of course, was our big one where we uh, changed uh, pretty much the the way that applications are constructed entirely. Um, and then uh, fourteen, uh, you know, turned out to be, of course, really big. Sixteen uh, at <clears throat> at the beginning of next month is. Is going to be even bigger. There are some uh, there are some changes around the way that uh, uh, objects are um, cached and retrieved out of the registry. There's some optimi optimizations in place today that uh, I think we're going to uh, take a different approach to to pulling those things out. Um, that'll uh, just I think make it a little bit more memory efficient and a little bit faster uh, in the long run. And we're we're well on the way to uh, 1.0 release. What's the plan for 1.0? Well, if you want to ask about the, the spring-loaded issue, just so we can get that done, because we only have a few minutes. Just Oh, yeah, of course. So, then my question was, um, if I remember correctly, a couple of weeks ago, spring-loaded uh, is actually not supported anymore. Right. Um, and and my question is, what will be the, the fate of dynamic reloading inside the inside Red Pack? Yeah, so this is a <clears throat> this is a conversation that we've that we've had a lot, um, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is that we can we can actually much more deterministically and much quicker tear down um, the Rat Pack server and stand it back up when changes are made, um, so that when you're when you're working, if you make a change and the um, the uh, the project is able to to recognize that you made a change at development time. Um, we're able to actually tear down the server and then stand it back up, and we can do all that in the background for you. Um, so as far as reloading is concerned, that's that I think is kind of the direction that we're going. We have a story right now for um, for tracking uh, um, J Rebel integration uh, to see if we can if, if there's anything that we can do to uh, you know provide provide higher support, um, or if there's a better integration story around it. Now, that mm -hmm. all that said, um, I there there was a breaking change um, in Java that broke spring-loaded, but I believe that uh, Andy Clement fixed that, uh, and so I, I don't see any reason why you couldn't continue to use spring-loaded uh, just to do, you know, dynamic class reloading. Um, there, you know, there there are some things that you don't get for free with that. For example, if you make a change to to a singleton, uh, spring loaded is not going to reload the juice context for you, obviously. Um, so that that kind of stuff is 
you know, you need to, I think, be a little cognizant of of what it is that you're reloading. Um, and uh, and you know, uh, I think I think ultimately what it comes down to is that Rat Pack applications are so quick to start and they're so quick to shut down that a, a lot of times it just makes sense to just restart your app. You know, so. Um, I guess yeah. I guess that's I mean, the that, answer. That, 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 that's what I, my thoughts really were on that. I think several of us that hey, if it only takes a couple of seconds, five seconds tops to restart it, uh, you don't really need the reloading as much as other systems. Um, so yeah, I'd say if it takes if it takes five seconds, then that's too long. <laughs> you're doing something weird in your app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably just my app. Um, <laughs> I actually, I went over to static pages. It made it my life much easier. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm easier to deploy. Uh, so sure. just one final question for you, Dan, the big one. Yeah. Is there a timeline yeah. for one zero? Yeah, um, we're, we're, I, we don't have anything solidified right now, but I, I think I feel pretty comfortable in saying that we're shooting for a um, an early summertime, uh, summertime on this hemisphere, and I'm in the U.S. Uh, release. Um, that means something different to Luke. A couple months out, I would say. Um, you know, right right now, I would say like the the big changes for for one came with zero nine one three, and uh, now it's really just a matter of tidying things up and making sure that you know. Um, T's are crossed and I's are dotted and, and, and everything is really sort of ironed out because once we hit 1.0 um, you know we're going to stop making breaking changes at that point and we're going we're gonna to backport fixes and, um, and do all those things so uh, we want to we make sure that by the time that we get there we're, we're, we're ready for that kind of commitment and, and your both releases are a little bit like beta already your book will be coming out at the same time is that right? That's the plan, yeah. Um, I, oh I, I'd say uh, uh, I'd say I've had a lot going on in life recently, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's not gotten the kind of uh, attention that I originally thought that I could uh, that I could commit to it. But but you know, nonetheless, uh, work continues on the book. I'm I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to in the next. Uh, Couple of weeks, or maybe the next month, actually start to get some of that out there, um, so that you know people can people can get on board early and you know have have some sort of a, a way to uh, get started, you know, in a in a simple kind of way. Well, don't worry, and, you have at least one sympathetic ear here. Um, although <laughs> I think all authors have gone through the pain of uh, trying to get a book out, so we just love to take the mick out of somebody else who's doing it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think uh, Ken said uh, something to the effect of if you don't have it done by, by April, then <laughs> then, uh, then it was uh, it was open season on me, so that's that's pretty fair. But, you know, one, one of the things I, I think that I, is sort of important to say and important to understand is that um, the book is not going to be uh, superseding any kind of manual that you might get for free. So, um, <laughs> as, as we're headed to as we're headed to 1.0 and and as more progress is made on the book, um, one of the things that you know we're really kind of focusing on and and putting sort of planning to put a lot of effort into is uh, making sure that the the manual 
that you can get off of the site is is very rich and, and comprehensive. We don't want anybody to have to to pay to get started, you know. Right. Um, so that's that's going to be uh, you know that's that's probably going to be something that I'll I'll have a, a fair amount of influence uh, in as well. Sort of a, a lightweight version of what we're trying to outline with the book, you know. Yeah, well, I'm very glad you were able to jump in at the last minute like this. I really appreciate that, and we'll we'll definitely want to hear more as you get closer to it. And and we definitely will enjoy giving you a hard time about book deadlines, etc. As we go along. Absolutely, I wouldn't expect any less. Cool. Yeah. So uh, just to clarify, it is rap. Is it Rat Pack in action with Manning? No. It's called Learning Rat Pack with. Oh, it's Learning uh, Rat Pack with. It's from O'Reilly. Oh, I got it O'Reilly. completely wrong. There you go. Writing an ASCII doctor too, of course, or an ASCII doc. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's learning rap pack with O'Reilly. There you go. Got it right finally. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks very much, Dan, for joining us. Uh, yeah, we sure need to let uh, Ken get to the airport to make sure he actually gets a flight back home. Um, just to finish off very quickly, you can follow the Groovy Podcast on Twitter at Groovy Podcast, and we've got the link to the Google Plus page as well in case you do use Google+. This is brought to you by me, Peter Barusa-Sodogorski, Ken Cousin, and all our details are on the show notes. So thank you very much once again for joining us and hope to catch you next time. Goodbye. Take care. Thank you.